Greetings, sword and sorcery fans. Time to get schooled. What if the Swordmaster was the sword? And what if this magical sword was found by a young girl and the remarkable skills she gains lead her into a contest with the heir to the throne? Join us for Third Flatiron's podcast of Liam Hogan's new story, The Dance of a Thousand Cuts. Liam hails from London and hosts the popular live humor radio show, Liars League. He's been writing since he was nine and has been nominated for a pushcart prize, so it's no surprise that he'll be making an appearance soon in Analog Magazine. Liam's story first appeared in the anthology Terra, Terra, Terror. For more from Third Flatiron, check out our website at thirdflatiron.com and subscribe to our feed. You can support our podcasts at patreon.com slash thirdflatiron. And now, here's The Dance of a Thousand Cuts, read by Keely Rue. The Dance of a Thousand Cuts by Liam Hogan If the sword Ellie had found tucked into the blackened trunk of a lightning-struck oak hadn't been magical, this story would have a different ending. If it had been a normal sword, she'd never have mastered it. Those thousand cuts would have as likely been hers, not her opponent's. If it had been a normal, dumb sword, it would have been taken off the young village leader's daughter, and certainly no one would have bothered to teach her. The sword taught her. That was what it was. This is what it did. A training sword designed to teach an ancient art from an age long since past. From the vantage point of its venerable creators, its powers weren't magical. The same technology that coaxed Ellie's hand to hold it right, that made her flex her arm just so, also kept the sword's edge pristine through the eons, if deliberately rather blunt. It had done this before for others, but not for a while. It hadn't been hidden in the blasted trunk where Ellie found it. Rather, it had been lost centuries earlier, had lain underground and undisturbed while men lived and died and returned to dust before being lifted back to the surface and absorbed into a sapling. A sapling that grew into a mighty oak that lived for many hundreds of years before lightning struck and liberated the sword contained within, long after the civilization that forged it had fallen into fable and myth. An hour with this sword would teach even the most clumsy dolt the twelve basic forms. A week would lead to utter mastery. Ellie had it for nearly two years. True, this was not time she could fully devote to swordplay. She stole an hour here and an hour there while supposedly collecting firewood or wild garlic or acorns. Still, it was enough. The woods whistled to the sound of the blade turning and twisting in her supple hands. In autumn, no leaves were allowed to fall that were not struck in their twisting descent, though never cut in two. The sword was blunt, remember? In Ellie's fourteenth year, a tournament was announced to select the new king's new champion. Each town, each village in the land, was requested to send their best swordsmen to the capital. When Ellie stepped forward to represent her village, everyone laughed, even her father, even her brother, Billy. Especially her brother, a strapping man five years Ellie's senior, with visions of fame, of glory. But father, he protested, when the one-sided contest was over, when none were found to stand against her flashing blade. Got Billy nothing, grunted his father, her father, the village leader. Can you best her? His sullen silence was answer enough. Then it is clear. She goes in your place. Remember, son, honor at the king's tourney reflects back on this village. Pray she does well. 
In the capital, surrounded by knights and men-at-arms from all corners of the kingdom, she had every right to feel nervous, even more so when it was explained that no, she couldn't use her training sword. Handed a poorly balanced replacement, she danced the dance of a thousand cuts as a warm-up. Flawlessly, elegantly, the blade a blur of light and whispered sound. The training sword had long since stopped having to correct her movements, even for a dance as complicated as this one. And, just like that, the tournament was over. Her open-mouthed opposition sidled away into the crowds, sheathing their swords or just letting them fall, never to dare pick one up again for fear of facing an opponent such as she. It didn't take much imagination to feel those one thousand cuts and the slow death caused by that keen edge. A courtier escorted Ellie into the castle. In a private chamber, he told her the true nature of her uncontested victory. She was to fight the heir to the throne. It is tradition, the courtier explained. The prince proves himself worthy by besting the greatest swordsman, or woman, in the land. And if he loses? Ellie asked, wide-eyed. Then he is not worthy. Ellie frowned, toyed with the frayed rope belt that cinched her faded dress. It's not a fair contest, is it? The courtier smiled thinly. This was breaking his heart. He had a daughter Ellie's age. He was thankful this would be his last royal duty. No, child, it is not. Ellie nodded, thoughtful. And then I wish to fight the prince with my own sword. But it is blunt, the courtier exclaimed. I may leave my mark upon the future king, but I will not dishonor my father or my village by drawing royal blood. The courtier stifled a sob, blinked away tears, screwed his courage to perform one last betrayal. We will respect your wishes, bravest of girls. But in order to satisfy the, uh, protocols, we must prepare your sword for its place in the arena's weapon rack. The prince stood before Ellie and bowed deeply. Uncertain of the protocols, she bowed back. The audience of nobles and visiting dignitaries arrayed in the steep fencing arena tittered in astonishment, drawing a blush from both young contestants. The prince raised his jeweled rapier in salute and adopted the first form. Ellie blinked. He performed the maneuver well enough. Surely this was child's play. Was she merely to trade forms with this handsome young prince, rather than crossing blades? She mimicked the move, right down to the slight hesitation in his final flourish. The audience murmured its approval. Here were two equally matched opponents. They had suspected a fraud. A girl? That young? Even though the prince was a mere lad, the supposed contest insulted the intelligence of the assembled spectators. But the swordplay put paid to such fears. How many of the forms would these two complete, they wondered, and who would emerge victorious? The prince, perhaps, had entertained similar doubts. It was difficult to believe that this slip of a girl had scared away the best swordsman in his army. And the rumor that she had performed the legendary dance of a thousand cuts? Ridiculous. He, too, had feared he faced an innocent plucked from the crowd, perhaps as an attempt to discredit him. After all, besting a girl, not yet even grown into a woman? Where was the honor in that? More confident, he performed the second form, his steel drawing smoothly through the unresisting air, remembering his lessons from those exotic foreigners his father employed for the purpose, remembering their admonishments not to overextend his elbows, to let the weight of the sword do the work. Exhilarated, he took a pace back, to watch Ellie attempt to follow his lead. She smiled up at him, cocked her head, and danced through the form. 
Connoisseurs in the galleried stands gasped and rose to their feet in admiration. On they performed. As the stations increased in difficulty, the prince's supple body gleamed with perspiration. But while each successfully completed form brought him yet more to life, Ellie felt oddly leaden. It was as if her trusty sword not only no longer responded when she fumbled a move, but was actively sucking the feeling from the fingers of her right hand. For the seventh move, she switched the blade to her left, and the audience gasped as the thrilling perfection returned once again. The prince shook the sweat from his brow. He had thought he had reached and surmounted Ellie's abilities. Had she been toying with him? Was she left-handed all along? The way she performed the difficult eighth move, now it was he who was out of his depth. On the ninth form, muscles straining, he made his first mistake. A thrust where a parry was required. An error that left him overextended, vulnerable. He could almost hear the accented curse of his fencing tutor. Embarrassed, he hardly dared watch as Ellie took flight, her young face strained with concentration. He assumed it was because of the difficulty of the level, and not because she could no longer feel the grip of her sword with either hand. As in a perfect mirror, though, her left to his right, she copied his mistake. Prince narrowed his eyes. Is this a compliment? Or an insult? The audience bubbled with excitement. This was swordplay of the highest order. Few attained such ranks as these, and none so young. Halfway through the eleventh form, Ellie's sight dimmed, the images separating, her eyes seemingly losing their ability to work together. The doubled vision almost made her falter, and only muscle memory allowed her to complete the complicated sequence. Blinking, she watched the prince hesitate. He thought, for the first time, that he might have edged the maneuver, that her positioning and execution was not as accomplished as his, that not only did she not, on this occasion, copy his faults, but had made some of her own. She had obviously reached her limits. The problem was, so had he. He had never completed the twelfth form successfully. It was an order of magnitude more difficult than its predecessors. Though he had been coaxed through its individual steps, the whole had always defeated him. Still, he had long since exceeded his own expectations, as had this waif of a girl before him. Gone were his worries that the contest was fixed, that his opponent was deliberately inexperienced or had in some way been weakened. The comments and glances of his courtiers had made him fear it so. It was shameful, and his protestations that this must be a fair fight had only encouraged insincere avowals that it was fair. And indeed, the fight had been fought on merit. More, if he was to win, he needed to complete, for the first time, the twelfth form, an achievement that would automatically qualify him as a swordmaster. Nail that, and there was no way Ellie could follow. The young prince summoned his nerve, calling upon his long line of royal ancestors to help. Ellie stood, panting, squinting. It was hard to tell through her blurred vision, but it seemed the prince had completed the final form. All she had to do was match him, and then the contest could begin in earnest. She had wondered how the duel was to be fixed, but assumed the judges would not be impartial, would favor the prince. But they'd been more subtle than that, hadn't they? Her limbs were leaden, and she could not see. She could have laughed, had she the energy. She'd been prepared to cross her blunt sword with the prince's sharp one, prepared, if need be, to let him strike home a blow, to receive a cut that her blade could not inflict. The poison had not been necessary. Yes, poison. It was obvious. Poison that sapped her strength and her skill, that would surely kill her if the prince's sword did not, once they were through with the trivialities of the twelve forms. Somehow she knew there was no cure, no antidote. Such a terrible, pointless waste. Anger battled with her tiredness, lost out to the sapping toxin in her veins. So be it. 
In her final actions, she would at least bestow honor on her village, on her father, on her brother. She closed her eyes, felt the hushed silence of the royal arena, and danced. Despite the numb feeling, the tunnel vision, the lump in her throat that made swallowing difficult and begun to hamper her breathing, despite her young heart pounding like it had never pounded before, despite all this, Ellie's dance was faultless. It was, after all, a form she had danced hundreds of times. The watching crowd erupted into rapturous applause. No contest fought in this hallowed arena had ever reached this point before. If it had been independently judged, Ellie would have won. The twelfth form alone would have guaranteed it. But no such independent judge could be found, not on the prince's coronation day, not for an opponent who had no right to still be standing, let alone flashing her sword. With solemn reverence, the announcement was made. A draw. The winner would be decided by the drawing of first blood. Even before the prince had a chance to process this, while he stood, staring slack-jawed up at the courtier who had made the announcement, Ellie summoned up the last of her nerve and stumbled forward onto his outstretched sword. She felt its cold tip pierce her stuttering heart and gasped her final breath. The prince was crowned an hour later, tears still wet on his cheeks. The following day, he issued his first royal decree. The courtier and the royal physician were arrested on charges of treason. The physician died by his own hand, swallowing poison from a hollowed-out pearl button on his jerkin. The same poison that had been smeared on the hilt of Ellie's magical training sword. As for the loyal courtier, he was hung, drawn, and quartered. Who knows? Perhaps he would have suffered the Dance of the Thousand Cuts. Were there anyone alive who could perform it? Thanks for listening to this podcast from thirdflatiron.com. Original music by Disco Volante. Sound production was by Andrew Cairns. 